0: Well, it's always an honor to come and speak. Sorry, I'm just going to do something. Maybe it's the caged animal fear. But then I saw that Jack Hayford always did this, and I thought he's a great preacher, so maybe it's good. <laughs> but what a privilege. Thank you for coming. You know, it is amazing. But when we come together, there's something very special about coming together, isn't there? Coming and worshipping. I want to say thank you to Claire and Claire. It was lovely to hear Claire again, because I remember her from all dates and the worship. And I closed my eyes, and it was like, what a fabulous voice. Thank you. Wonderful to just come and be led into that sense of his presence. So, Jesus, we thank you that you are close. And we thank you that we can come to meetings or we can have a meeting moment. And we just pray that even as we just cried out in that last song, Lord, we we want a meeting place. We want to connect with you. We're desperate for you. There's a real stirring of hunger in our hearts and we see it in our nation too. We're so aware that we need a God sound in our world, in our communities, in our lives. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to really speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as you've seen, the title I chose for tonight was Unashamed Love. Unashamed Love. I gave my life to Jesus when I was four years old. I'm a preacher's kid and a missionary kid. And so Jesus has always been in my world. And I suppose it was always a fairly simple Love, a childlike love, and I think in some ways I've never really grown up. I listen to some amazing scholars teach all the A to Z, A to Z, Z to. And you can tell I'm got American. I'm sorry about that. I am British, although my parents are now American, and my brother's American, and their children. So more of my family is, but I am English, and I better remember it, A to Z and Z to A. But. When we come back down to it, there is something so captivating about the love of God. Yes, Jesus loves me. And I think as the more we become aware of that love, the more we want to be carriers and demonstrators of it. But so often we find, or maybe I should personally, I find That rather than being an unashamed lover of Jesus, I have moments where I go, ooh, awkward. Not sure anyone ever feel like that. And if you come to Romans 1, verse 16, it says this. Can you read it with me? One, two, three. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And with my head, of course, I know that. But in my experience, sometimes I can be a little bit ashamed. Has any of you been in a, a situation where you think, this is my moment to really talk Jesus, but it's also my duck and dive moment. And you're sort of, there's that pregnant silence and you can feel beep, beep, talk about Jesus. And it's suddenly, I can't believe because I love him so much, he's so much part of my world, and I still stumbled or avoided. And that's me speaking, not about my experience 25 years ago, but, you know, over months, times when I'm on the plane and I just know that it could be a trigger for humiliation or a put-down or a... So you think, don't want to go there. But yet the cry in us is, for I'm not ashamed... And actually, Jesus, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And we know we should be able to talk about our love for God and love doing it. But there's those slight moments. We know there should be an excitement, but actually we struggle with that. Could they humiliate me? And as I've looked at my life, I'm 56 years old. I have two kids. My daughter is 34. My son has just turned 30. Five grandchildren, three that live with Nicola in Australia, my daughter, eight, five, and will be three on Thursday, and two grandchildren who live here in the UK, who are two and about four months. So, granny of five, mother of two, husband of, of 36 years nearly. <laughs> husband of one. Oh, one husband oh, and i could you think I should have more helen i 'm ashamed of no <laughs> but it 's amazing, however old you are, how shame can just infiltrate your life, Infiltrate the way you talk, how you connect, what you talk about. and so we come to this scripture, second Corinthians chapter three. 11 to 18. I'm afraid I'm one of those preachers that make you work. So, one, two, three, let's read it together. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And here we see our journey with Jesus. So we're on a journey of transparency, Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where that Spirit is incubating us, where it's that cloud incubating us, there we are as people on this journey of unashamed love, and the masks, the veils are being taken away. As we keep contemplating Jesus and all he is, it overcomes our inhibitions, our fears, because actually our love outshines our fear. Perfect love drives out the fears. And as we get more captivated with the face of Jesus, all the masks and veils, shadows break. But it is a journey. And we're on a journey of transparency. And more and more I've seen in my life how God takes us from the journey of breaking shame, inhibition, stuff that Downsizes the real essence of who we are and puts us on a journey looking at Jesus. And we can hear the voice of Jesus saying, Come on, Rachel, uh uh-uh. uh, that's who you are. Don't go that way. Don't become sealed. Don't become contained. Don't excuse. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Does this resonate, girls? And the more and more I found that the more we see Jesus, the less we're able to hide behind our excuses, our wonderful British niceties. And we come out of the veils. The more we see Jesus, the more we let people see the real us. Where the spirit of the Lord is, he so touches our life layer by layer. And he changes us so fundamentally that suddenly we think, yes, this is the real me. I can feel the butterfly beginning to come. And I would say that is my story. That's my song. And I, as I prayed about tonight, I just prayed, felt God say it's Valentine's. I tell the girls I love them and I want them to live with an absolute unashamed love of who they are love of who God is, and a love for other people. So I wonder if tonight we can walk out with this no shadow of shame. No more will there be a shadow of shame. Let's read this scripture. This is Psalm 34, 5. You might know it well, but I want you to read it in the New Living Translation because it's quite powerful. So, one, two, three. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Isn't that beautiful? Read it one more time. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I went to church before I was born. (laughs) Missionary kid, preacher's kid. But as I've also had the privilege of now marrying a pastor, being in church work pretty well all my life, I would say when you're talking and walking life with people again and again, you see the enemy's strategy to bring shame, God's strategy to bring freedom. And you see, this shame is very insidious because so often we think, oh yeah, well I'm free of it. And then God begins to show a little part of your life. And I would say, um, two years ago, 55, God spoke to me and said, take a sabbatical. Take three years, take three months off. Three years I'm having now, (laughs) Helen. Take three months off. And during that time with Jesus, he began to disconnect and take areas of my life apart and reconstruct me at a level. And I suddenly realized that I had all sorts of mindsets and worldviews that were shame created rather than love formed. You see, the message of Jesus is he came to deliver us from all our shame. He took that shadow of shame. And as we look to Jesus, literally as you look into light, the shadow is always behind you. And so those who look to Jesus, there's a radiance of joy, and the shadows are behind you. And that shadow of shame and fear and anxiety, it goes behind you. The enemy has always had a strategy to keep your head down and cover you. God has always had a strategy to lift you up and make you radiate his beauty and his joy. Let's go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2 verse 25. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Read this with me. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You see, God's original design of relationship was that two people here a man and his wife, husband and wife, could have such an intimate relationship. And this nakedness is far more than just bodily nakedness. It is the nakedness of body, soul, mind, spirit being. It is utter vulnerability, utter transparency. It's no, dare I speak about this, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Gordon and I have the privilege of Doing a lot of pre-marriage counseling and quite often, in fact, we just did one last Tuesday. We're talking, you know, honeymoon and it's, well, ha- what's the best way to get naked together? That feels the big step. And, you know, often when you're just about to get married, that feels the big step. Will I feel ashamed? Will it be all right? Once you've been married for a while, it's like You forget that you're now physically naked. But often we don't forget the emotional nakedness or the intellectual. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We're still guarded in areas. There are no-go areas. Why? Because we're fearful of shame or humiliation or honesty. But God in the very beginning created us not only to have a transparency with him, but to have a transparency with one another. I read that one day and here was Adam and his wife were both utterly transparent, vulnerable, naked and felt no fear of shame. Something in me got hungry for unashamed love where I knew not only with my Gordon, who I loved dearly, but in the appropriate way with other relationships, I wasn't playing the shame game. I wasn't countering my position. But I could actually come to a place of freedom where the spirit of the laws is there's freedom. And I could be an unveiled person that was appropriately transparent according to the relationship. But it wasn't shame that was driving it. And I believe that God wants to do something in the heart of us as women, in the heart of the church. Because when we really love one another, John 17, look how they love one another. I think there is something very compelling and beautiful about transparent relationships. And so as we go on, we see, you see in Britain more and more, both in church and society, there's a shame culture rather than a culture of value and honor. We tend to live slightly cautious, afraid of humiliation and mockery. We expect to be put down rather than to be encouraged. And even if we are encouraged, so often it's like, what you did was great, but, that famous but, and you think, thanks a lot, delete. All around us, we see suicide is on the increase. Why? Because people feel devalued worthless. They're ashamed of who they are. They see no hope to be anything else. They feel naked, exposed, and have given up. But God created us to live free. But the enemy hated that. And then we read in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 to 10, you know, the Enemy comes into the garden, he deceives Eve. He comes in with his worldly logic, his wisdom. And so much of a lot of self help management about how to get through, especially for women, is well, look after yourself, no one else will look after you. You know, build walls, build fences, put up masks, get clever. That is not biblical. The Bible takes us on a journey of vulnerability. Self-help takes us on a a journey of independence. And we've got more and more clever at playing the game. And so often got more and more lonely. Because we weren't made to live behind walls and masks. God made us face-to-face, heart-to-heart people. And so all the worldly logic we eat of the fruit of these trees of wisdom. We find somehow we tend to lose our freedom rather than feeling freer. And we end up with what I call stinking thinking. How many of you know that it, And what goes on between your ears can really be unhelpful? And we think, how did I get here? But It's almost exactly what happened to dear Adam and Eve. So let's read this. You know what to do by now. One, two, three. Then the eyes of both of them... Were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made masks, coverings, walls, defense systems for themselves. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from him amongst the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I don't believe that where are you is. Where are you? I don't believe it was angry. I believe it was broken. Where are you? Why are you hiding? Because I never taught you to hide in relationship. This was the first time ever there were walls or masks or hiding in relationship. Wretched devil. And what was the reply of man? He answered, I heard you were in the garden, but I was afraid. You could translate that ashamed. Because I felt exposed, vulnerable, naked. So I hid from you. And suddenly we're no longer walking, looking to Jesus, but we're walking away. You see, I believe this is the season to break free from all shame. God wants us to live unashamed. You see, shame robs the joy in your life. Those who look to him will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken your face. But the shame, the regret of a broken marriage, the memory of maybe a wrong sexual relationship, shame of an abortion, or just violent behavior, bad language, all the other acts that have happened to us or happened by us. Because sometimes it's a shame which has happened in our life. We think, how could I ever let anyone know? But 2017... Many of the prophets are calling it the year of breakthrough, the year to breakthrough. 17, the number that literally means to overcome with victory. You find on the 17th day was when the Ark of the Covenant landed, the covenant rainbow came. 17, again and again, in Hebraic numerology, signifies victorious breakthrough. And this year, I believe that God wants to speak to us. Valentine's Day, 2017. Come on, unashamed laugh. But one thing I learned in my year is God began to tackle this area of me. And I'm going to be a bit personal because, is that okay? Because that helps. It's just because God said it doesn't mean it will be easy. How many of have discovered that in your life? And just because it's hard does not mean God did not say it. And so I wonder if we're going to be courageous girls on a journey of transparency. Because it's hard sometimes to rewire the way we think, react, respond. And it's not always easy. But I do believe God wants us to make resolute decisions to discipline our mind our emotions and bring them, even drag them reluctantly to look at Jesus, take courage and put the shame behind us. When I was thinking about certain situations that had happened to me and there were just scenarios in my life when I used to watch myself and I thought, Rachel, why did you react like that? Why was that such a trigger? You know, it was disproportionate to what was going on, but it really wound you up. Anyone have that? And you're just, you're watching yourself and you're thinking, you're being weird right now, but I don't quite understand why. And self-analysis in the moment is not often easy. And I just thought, what is that? But in this time of rest and being before God during that sabbatical, God said this to me, and at first I really wasn't sure it was God. And he said this, do not listen to the devil, even when he's telling the truth. Let me say it one more time. Next slide, please. Do not listen to the devil, even when he's telling the truth. You see, as I told you, I'm a, a Bible girl, went to church before I was born, had the Bible in my life all the time. And truth Is a good thing. You know, I've been told, Rachel, be humble. In every criticism is a grain of truth. You can learn. How many of you have heard that one? And you know that, you know, even if you don't like it, listen to it. And so I was one of those people and people often have plenty to criticize about me and help me on my journey and shape me because I'm good at making mistakes. And so I tiptoed through life always thinking, I wonder if that's okay. Who's going to tell me off? <laughs> but what it had done is it had put a, a, a fear of people, especially a fear of authority, because I always expected, do help yourself in the water suite if you want it. I always expected to be told off or, And I thought, do not listen to the devil even when he's telling the truth. And I pondered this. And of course, I'm thinking of scriptures. Come on, John 8, 32. Let's put it up. It says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I thought, well, surely that whole thing of if there's truth in every criticism grain of truth, surely that is good. Why was this? And then as I studied this further, I realized that in most of our translations, we have a massive grammatical error. You see, it is not that you will know the truth, information truth. How many of you know the truthful information doesn't always set you free? In fact, some truthful information can really be wounding, hurtful, and absolutely decimate the inside of you. Truthful information doesn't set you free. If you read what John is describing, he's talking about when he, the spirit of truth, comes. The spirit of truth has the power to set you free. So it isn't little t, it's capital T. In fact, if you look up behind me, Jesus said, I am the way, the capital truth. It's not, I'm just good information. I am the spirit of truth. Truth. How many of you know that's different? You see, when he, the spirit of truth comes with revelation, it absolutely sets you free. But when people come with their good idea of their helpful information, it can decimate you. Hence, we see this one in Ephesians chapter four, verse 15. It says this, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow To become, read it with me, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Instead, speaking the truth. Again, grammatical error. It's not just, well, I've got something to say to you. When you do that, I'm giving you information. That doesn't set people free. What sets people free is you've been in a place of prayer and the spirit of truth and revelation has come upon you and given you a key how many of you know that's different? And when I was praying for you, Jesus showed me this. The Spirit, when we speak the truth, that revelation of truth in an atmosphere of safety and love, is revolutionary. And as I pondered this, I began to realize so much of shame in my life and a lot of shame that I counsel in other people's lives has this root Of, well, I need to go with it because there's some truth in it. But it isn't the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that actually binds you into the wrong place. How many of you get what I'm talking about? I'm going to tell you a story. This is personal, but I hope you don't mind. You see, God took me back to a truth that had so damaged me, broken me, made me insecure always felt I was the naughty girl in trouble out because I'm a Mish kid, preacher's kid, told you that. I went to boarding school. And from the age of nine to 15, I lived away from my parents about a thousand miles away and saw them for about five weeks a year. It was hard. And this school was real old, religious, sort of Victorian. And it was in India. I had, between the age of 9 to about 12, 13, until I went fully through puberty, I had a real problem with wetting my pants and bed wetting. Finally, they worked out what it was, and hopefully today I'm okay. (laughs) But here I was in a boarding school, a thousand miles away from my parents, living with other girls in India, and I can still remember indelibly on my little brain, my bath day was Monday and Thursday. And on bath day, we got a bucket of water with a little cup, which was taken into the shower, which we could use. That was also the day that I was allowed to change my clothes, do laundry. You you literally you bucket your wash, you caught as much water as you could, then you washed your clothes and that, and hang it up. Good Indian training. So, I wet my pants, I wet my bed. I smelt. So all the way through school, the truth was told to me. You smell. Was it true? Yes. Did it set me free? No. And it began to shape my life. And other things got attached to it. And because there was a part of me that hated the injustice of it, I'd fight it back a bit and say, well, I'm going to... There was one particular girl, and I don't mean as rudely, but she was an American girl, and they used to have the best sweeties. And we used to have tuck, what was called tuck boxes. They were enormous under our bed. But she, because they came from America, got the most outstanding stuff. To spite her, I began to steal. So she was really mean to me. When she would disappear off, i thought, fine. That is five sweets worth, and I'm eating them out of your thing. Hard luck. And I got back at her in my own way. Was that right? No. But what it did is the whole shame opened up a whole avenue. Do you get understand what I'm trying to say? And it molded me, my reactions, the way I responded. And when I'm sitting here, I don't know how many years, it was July 50, um, 2015 going here, and the, God spoke to me, don't believe the devil, even when he's telling the truth. Suddenly, I remembered all those encounters back in boarding school, and I began to realize how that truth had never brought me freedom, but it had brought me and shaped me into a whole pattern of response and relationship of how I positioned myself, how I looked at people. You know, it even shaped me, and this is, I'm being very vulnerable tonight. I'm an international speaker. I speak all over the world. Often in, in America, I'm in mean, with all these top names. We get shown into beautiful green rooms, treated like little princesses. They're amazing. spoil. But I always just think, I'm the dirty girl that smells. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Going on in my head, I, not even consciously really deep unconsciously. So I'd always hesitate. Should I really sit at that table with all the things? Oh, I'll sit here with the other people. And they're always like, no, Rachel, come. Why do you always hold back? What's your problem? Rachel, we love having you here. But inside of me, you're the smelly one. Because all through school, no one wanted me on their team. No one would pick me because I was the one who smelt. Was it true? Yes. Did it free me? No. But it shaped the whole of my relationships. I didn't even realize it. But in that time, as I sat at the feet of Jesus, felt his unashamed love for me, it broke something. Changed me. Why? Because those who look to him shall be radiant with joy and no shadow of shame or control. No shadow. And I began to realize that the devil is so subtle. For me, it was bullying. And there's all sorts of other stuff. And I began to see the the horrible pattern of the devil, of how he loves to twist people. By stuff done to you and then stuff you do through you. So you see, way back there in my shame, what did I do? I s- stole sweets, stuffed sweets. So my response for when I felt ashamed or trapped was I'd eat sweets to spite people. Back then, some of you said, wow, you lost a lot of weight. Yeah, you know why? Because God dealt with the shame. And I suddenly realized that whenever I felt vulnerable or thing, I'd eat cake, eat sweets, eat thing. So for me... Preaching, teaching, going, green rooms, etc. When I felt this slight insecurity, just eat cake and make it better. I put on a huge amount of weight. And God said, actually, come on, Rachel, take your mask off. For me, that became my mask, my hiding place. I said to you, I'm going to be very vulnerable. I don't think I've said that before, but you've heard it. So I come. You see, truth without love brings destruction. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, speaks, He brings total liberation. And I've discovered in my life that love never fails. And so tomorrow you have Valentine's Day. And I want you to think about this unashamed love of Jesus that hung on the cross for you, that was naked. Thank you. Someone saying, do you need the tissue? Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I always make myself cry, so that should make you feel good if you're crying. First Corinthians 13. Let's lead this. I think I'm two slides on. Next one. Love never fails. Next one. There you go. Let's read it, because this is the love of Daddy God over you. This is what he's saying to you. I don't want you to be in shame. This is who I am. So let's read it. My love is patient. My love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, easily angered. It keeps no reference of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this is the powerful unashamed love of God for you. And this love always wins. And so today he just says to you, come on my precious ones, those who look to me will be radiant with joy, no shadow of shame, no shadow of shame. And I'm even on time (laughs) without watching the clock, which is a miracle. So, why don't you just close your eyes? And as you close your eyes, don't drop your head. I know I've been deeply personal, but I want you to lift your face and look to Him. Look to Him. And let His radiant joy come upon you. The enemy is so wicked at covering us with shame, and sometimes we don't even realize it. I had no real conscious process, but God began to show me. And I found I had to look to him. And then all the masks and walls and stuff that had shaped the way I related and reacted actually fell off me. But it's looking to Jesus. So take a moment, look into his face and trust him because he is a good God. Trust him. He will take you on a journey of transparency and he will never humiliate you He will protect you because his love protects, covers. So I'm going to invite Anne to come because we're going to have a time of response. I know I've spoken very deeply and we're going to take time to pray. But just relax into Jesus. No shadow of shame.